0: Uh, take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Luke, please, where I sense the Lord has directed me to a very familiar passage, one that you know well as we come to this Thanksgiving season. This is a typical passage that is spoken of on this day, and I, I'm going to trust that the Lord has given us some uh, fresh insight and something that you can take home with you. You may want to take a note or two. Um, you might want to prepare for that. Luke! third book of the New Testament, and we're going to chapter 17. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, I'm starting to read at verse 11. Now it happened as he, Jesus, went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then his, as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men. Say that again who were lepers, who stood afar off." Now, what am I doing to you right now? I'm making sure that you absorb, please stay with me through this initial reading of the passage, because you know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take phrases, and the ones that I emphasize are the ones that I, I want to really draw your attention to. And my hope is that when I'm then uh, bringing those particular phrases to light, you'll go, yeah, we read that in the text initially. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. Aren't you glad Jesus sees you? When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, now I looked at this passage in about eight or nine different versions. That uh, I have many more than that, but I, I looked at it specifically in about eight or nine. Isn't it interesting that in verse 14, it speaks of them as being cleansed? When we speak of this one, he was healed, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But it's in every version that I that I looked at, it there may be one that says it differently, and it's rare that you find the exact same verbiage used in every version. Uh, but th- it's every version I looked at. They were cleansed in verse fourteen, verse fifteen. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, he returned and with a with a what. Thank you, glorified God. And what did he do? Keep track of this. He fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. The implication here is of the ten, he's the only one that's a Samaritan. Keep that in mind. So Jesus answered and said, weren't there ten? Were there not ten that were cleansed? Where's the other guys? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? The Samaritan would be considered a foreigner. And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. I think all of us here know the importance of being people of gratitude. Um, Not only in this season of the year, but always being people of gratitude. Uh, in case I've not made it clear, we have a three-year-old granddaughter and a two-year-old granddaughter and a -a three-and-a-half-month-old grandson. I have pictures to show if you would like to see them this morning. Uh, Our three-year-old, who lives with her mommy and daddy in the Kansas City area, uh, she's been with Papa and Bibi here this week and going to be here for a little period of time. Um, And so... All is well. Everything is great. It's just to pray that God gives grace. It's been 30 years since we've had a three-year-old in the house. <laughs> Things changed somehow in 30 years. I'm not sure what changed, but something changed in 30 years, mostly our ability to keep up with the three-year-old. and she's... But, you know, it's in that season of life, particularly our two-year-old and our three-year-old. What are we saying to them all the time? What do you say? Somebody hands them a piece of candy. Somebody does something nice for them. Someone gives them a compliment. And you're always same because at the very earliest age, we're trying to be sure that our children, our grandchildren, understand the importance of being grateful. What do you say? Say thank you. This entire passage that we've just read is distinctive and unique to the narrative of the Gospel of Luke. It's not one that is shared in the other Gospels. <clears throat> the story is not simply a testimony to the ability of Jesus to cure leprosy, which it certainly is that, but it is also concerned, and possibly even more so, with the attitude of the person cured. The attitude of the person cured. Because here's what is true. To faith must be added thanksgiving. Say that with me. To faith. Our text presents us with a man who shows us where the real cause of thanksgiving lies. It is certainly good to be thankful for material and physical blessings, things you can touch and feel, but there are just some things, church, more valuable than material and the physical. How many know I'm telling you the truth? You know what? You can't pay for peace of mind. What monetary value can you put on good health? You can't. You can't pay for a good night's sleep. Am I right about it? There's just some things that money can't buy. So in verses 11 through 13 of our text, those first uh, three verses, we see what I'm calling a tragic congregation, a tragic congregation. Let me just give that to you again to review that very quickly in case you weren't paying attention. I know you were. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off and they lifted up their voices and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, You've probably heard this before, but give me just a minute to kind of talk about their situation and what it was really like. And I ask you to kind of begin to place yourself in this situation. Leprosy, or otherwise known as Hansen's disease, was a chronic infectious disease that was considered in the ancient world a skin disease which was difficult to diagnose and equally difficult to heal. In fact, in the Old Testament, leprosy was generally regarded as a divine punishment, the cure of which could only be affected by God himself. The person with this infectious disease must wear torn clothes. Uh, They have to let their hair be unkempt. They have to cover the lower part of their face. And they must cry out everywhere they go to everyone they see, unclean, I am unclean. As long as the infection remained, that person was unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. And as bad as all that was, the social consequences of leprosy were perhaps worse than the illness itself. It was indeed a sentence of social ostracism. This disease deprived victims not only of their health, but it also deprived them of their names, their occupation, their social habits, their families, their fellowship, and their worshiping community. Other illnesses had to be healed, but leprosy had to be cleansed, keep that in mind. The Jewish historian Josephus speaks of the banishment of lepers as those who were no different than a dead corpse. And in fact, the rabbis spoke of lepers as the living dead, a tragic congregation they were for sure. Their entrance into a house contaminated it. Their standing under a tree polluted any who passed under it. Leprosy defiled, leprosy distanced, leprosy doomed all who were afflicted by it. It is a clear picture of sin and its effects on humanity. So, considering all the aforementioned, what we just, how we just talked about it, how we just described it, couldn't go to church, couldn't be around their family, they couldn't be in social gatherings, could not go to the synagogue, they had to stand at a distance, usually some 50 paces, they couldn't be around anybody, no one went to them ever to give them any good news. No one ever approached them to give them them any encouragement. They were away from the camp. They were outside living alone. Considering all of that, how in the world did they hear about Jesus? How? How in the world did they know anything about his miracle working power with no family, no home, no social contact, no synagogue worship, No one at all to come and give them a good word. How could they have known to even approach Jesus for their request for healing? Well, perhaps somehow they heard about the man of whom we have record in John chapter 9. You remember, he was the man who was born blind. He had never seen one day of his life, entire life without sight. And Jesus told him to go wash, and he came back seeing And when asked who had healed him, the man declared it was Jesus, it was that man. And of course, the record states that the Pharisees were quick to say to the man who had been blind, don't give the glory to Jesus, give the glory to God. This man Jesus is not from God. He is but a sinner. So don't magnify or glorify this man Jesus. But the man who had been healed of his blindness responded, I don't know if he's a sinner or not. All I know is this, once I was blind, but now I can see. Maybe the lepers had somehow heard that story and they knew about that. Possibly the lepers had heard about the woman who had the issue of blood and she touched the hem of the garment of Jesus. And what we know about that is when Jesus stopped, the flow of blood stopped. Maybe the lepers had somehow heard her story. That's how they knew to approach him for their healing. Could it be that the lepers had heard that Jesus went to the house of Jairus? And he put out all the professional mourners and sent them out of the house and he brought in Peter, James, and John and the the mother and the father of the little girl in the room and Jesus took her by the hand and she came back to life. I wonder if the lepers heard that story. Maybe that's how they knew. Maybe the lepers heard about the Galilean demoniac who was cutting himself with stones Jesus came and talked to him, and when that man was next seen in public, he was clothed and in his right mind. That story may be the one that that caused the lepers to reach out to Jesus. Let me tell you, we serve a miracle-working Jesus. Possibly the lepers heard about the woman who was bowed down from her waist and could not raise herself up, and Jesus took her by the hand, and he said, woman, thou art loosed. That would certainly inspire faith. In the lepers to reach out to Jesus. Maybe they heard that Jesus was in the desert place and there was no place to buy any bread and there was only a little boy who showed up with five loaves and two fish and with that Jesus fed 5,000 men not counting the women and, and children. I don't know what the lepers heard. I have no idea. I can't even imagine how any news of Jesus had reached them but I do know this. They knew just enough to mix what they had heard with what they believed. And Bethesda, I have come to declare to you this morning that you don't need to have a Bible in your possession. You don't need to be raised in a Christian family. Your daddy or your great daddy doesn't need to be a deacon or a pastor. Just hear something about the power of Jesus and mix what you hear with what you believe and God can perform a miracle in your life this very day. Something in verse 12 that I want to underscore this morning. First part of verse 12 says this, Then as he entered a certain village, there met him, and I had you quote it with me, ten men who were lepers. Ten men who were lepers. In referring to the ten men as, the ten men, as men rather than lepers, I want you to see that Luke acknowledges their humanity, thus verbally reclaiming them from their defacement associated with their condition. What does that mean, Pastor Dan? It means this. You are not what you are going through. You are not your condition. Your condition does not define you. Your situation does not define you. Somebody ought to say hallelujah today. I was recently with a family, and the mother of this family had a son. The mother was a hopeless alcoholic for years. It had gone to devastating places, embarrassing, awful places, her alcoholism. But this young man, her son, somehow God's hand of protection was upon him, in a way that he was often heard to say when she was in the worst of the worst of conditions. I'm tempted to describe what I understand, what I've been told about it, but I don't want to do that. But when she was in the worst of the worst conditions, this young man, even as a teenager, said, That's not my mom. That's not my mom. My mom is a precious, wonderful, loving person. What I see right there is not my mom. And God gave him that ability to parse through it and to separate what he saw as that which was afflicting his mom from who he really knew his mother to be. Listen to me this morning. You may have cancer, but that's not who you are. You may be struggling with alcoholism, but that is not who you are. Somebody hear me today. You may be struggling with drug addiction, but that is not who you are in the name of Jesus. Who you are is a child of God. Oh, give a shout of praise in the house today. What you have is an affliction from which God can rescue you and separate you from your condition. And Dr. Luke gives it to us accurately when he said, and there were 10 men who happened to be lepers. I love the way he put it. You remember that man that Jesus healed of his blindness and Jesus asked him, what do you see? The man responded by saying, I see men as trees walking. And what we have here in that particular story is the only time in Scripture where Jesus touched him again, a second time. You'll remember, you've read it, to make sure that he would not see men as trees walking. Now, why would Jesus do that? Because when you see people as trees, you start climbing on them. When you see people as trees you start cutting them down and jesus was not about to let that happen because we need to see people like god sees them because god sees you not only in your present condition but what you can be in your future condition hallelujah to the lamb of god today the justice of god saw what i had done but mercy saw me through the sun our friend Jaron Davis wrote this lyric, Not what I was, but what I could be. That's how mercy saw me. God sees us for what, he's, what is possible for us in our future. Hallelujah to the Lord. When Jesus first met Peter, he was Simon. But when Jesus got finished with him, who was he? He was Simon Peter. Because men look on your outward appearance, but God looks upon the heart. People see you for who you are today. But God knows you for who you can be. When the ten men approached Jesus full of leprosy, they were indeed a tragic congregation. But thank God the story doesn't leave us there. For we also see a tremendous compassion. In the 14th verse of our text of Luke 17, So when he, speaking of Jesus, saw them, He said to them go show yourselves to the priests and so it was that as they went they were cleansed now look at that closely with me Jesus doesn't touch them he doesn't promise them healing he doesn't pray for them doesn't lay hands on them he does not even directly acknowledge their request When he saw them, he said, gives them this order to go present yourself to the priest. What an interesting command that Jesus gives them. Why is it interesting? Here's why. Because presenting oneself to the priest was the legal prescription for those who had already been healed. Are you still listening to me? So Jesus commands the men to act, I'm going to lay a new word on you, it was new to me. Jesus commands the men to act proleptically. Say that word. It's a brand new word for me. What does that mean? It means to act like it already happened. to act proleptically means to act on a reality that is not yet actualized. To act proleptically, it it, it means to live in the presence of the promise, even though you don't yet have it in your hands. Some people might call that faith. Now I know some of you are gonna get nervous at this, but I'm telling you the truth. Here's what I believe, knowing this congregation as I do, I would venture to guess that there has been some proleptic activity going on here already this morning. Because I happen to know there are some people that are shouting and you don't even have the house yet. Somebody here is giving God glory and you haven't even yet been healed. Somebody here is lifting your hands and you haven't even gotten the job yet. Someone here you're praising God and your son is not yet off of drugs. Some of you are lifting your voice and your child is not yet out of jail, but you're acting like it's already done. So my question is, is anybody in the house today here who's saying, I'm not going to wait until the battle is over to be thankful for the goodness of God. Shout to the Lord. Shout to the Lord. I'm going to shout proleptically. Yeah, all my bills aren't paid. My children don't all have good sins. Everything is not all well in my family. I've got a hell on my job tomorrow, but I'm going to give God thanks today proleptically simply because I believe in the goodness of God. <laughs> Go show yourself to the priest. Start acting like the miracle has already taken place. Come on, give a shout of praise. It's all right. Now listen to me. Jesus was going to cure them. But he had to test their faith. Because you've got to remember that a faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. Just kind of soak that in for a second. A faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. So as they went, in other words, on the way, as they went on the way, I think that reminds us this morning that God knows how to do stuff on the way. How do you think the woman with the issue of blood got healed? Jesus was on the way somewhere else. But guess what she did? She just got in the way. Listen. If Jesus is on the way, you need to get in the way. And when you do get in the way, you're going to find a blessing with your name on it. This is going to shock you, but it reminds me of a song. (laughs) Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. While on others, you're on the way. While on others, thou art calling. I know you're busy doing other stuff. While on others thou art calling. What is it? Do not pass me by. And we see Jesus demonstrating a tremendous compassion. Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, while they were walking, their skin started clearing up. They're on the way. And the more they walked, the prettier their skin got. The more they walked, the softer their face became. And when they looked at each other's face and their own hands and their feet and realized that they were cleansed, they kept on walking. Nine of them kept on walking. Now, hang on. We give those nine a... Pretty rough time. But listen to me. The story does not necessarily imply that the nine who kept walking lacked faith. It doesn't say that. Because, how, how do I claim that? Because just like the Samaritan, the one, the nine also cried out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So they had faith. The story does not necessarily imply that they lacked obedience Jesus told them to go show themselves to the priest, and all of them, just like the Samaritan, the one, they all did that. So we know they had faith, and they had obedience. Their sin was not faithlessness. Their sin was not disobedience. Their sin was ingratitude. And in this season of what is for us, Thanksgiving, it is important for you and me to remember that the point of this entire narrative that's so familiar to us is this faith is incomplete unless it becomes gratitude. Say that with me please. Faith is incomplete. They all got their miracle but the nine missed salvation. It means nothing to get a miracle if you aren't going to come to Jesus. Just because you received a miracle doesn't necessarily mean you're saved. How can I say that? He lets his sun shine on the just and the unjust. Just like he woke you up this morning, he also woke up a dope dealer this morning. So just because he woke you up is not a sign that you belong to him. Because he allows the rain to fall on the good folk as well as the not so good folks but it only becomes salvation when you turn around to say thanks and then accept him to be the Lord of your life. As long as the miracle is skin deep, what do I mean by that? The car, house, be sure that parking spot you want at the store opens up at just the time when you need it to. Come on, you prayed for that. I've heard you getting that job that you interviewed for, and that's fine. As long as the miracle is on the surface, it's cleansing. It's a cleansing. But when the miracle touches your heart, it's a healing. There's a difference in a cleansing and a healing. Miracles bring cleansing, but healing brings wholeness. Jesus told all ten of them, Go show yourselves to the priest. And all 10 of them started walking to find the priest. If the nine were Jews, they had to go to Jerusalem. But for the Samaritan to find a priest, he had to go to Mount Gerizim. He had to walk further than the Jews had to walk. But something was different about this Samaritan man. He seemed to have said as he's walking, hold on a minute. Hold on. I, I, I know where he told me to go. And I'm going to do that. But there's something I have to do first. Yeah, yes, I'm going to church. I'm certainly going to get to the temple. I'm going to go find the priest, the man of God. But the first thing I'm going to do right now is turn around. And that's exactly what he did. He turned around and he said, I can't go to the temple until I thank this man. Some of you will recall the story in 2 Kings. Where there were some leprous men on the outside of the city gates and they said why sit we here until we die we will starve if we stay here we're going to starve if we go into the city let's take our chances and perhaps the lord will have mercy on us and what happened was they went inside the camp and the lord miraculously made a very loud noise and frightened every warrior in the camp and all those warriors, they left their gold and their silver and their food and their clothes and everything else. And, and so those lepers went in and started enjoying themselves. They started digging into what had been left for them by the warriors who got scared by the noise God made. Until they said, "Till the lepers said, wait a minute, this this isn't right, this ain't right. With all that God has just done for us, we need to go back and tell somebody else to come and enjoy the goodness of the Lord. Let me tell you when the lord has been good to you when the lord has shown benefaction toward you your first response is always to turn around and say thanks can i get an amen to that i want you to see quickly specifically what the samaritan man from our text did he came back and the text tells us that he fell down on his face at jesus feet and gave thanks and verse 15 makes it very, very clear. The Scripture says, and we read it, He glorified God with a loud voice. I want you to say loud voice. Loud voice. Hmm, okay. <laughs> now, I know, I, I know you. Some of you are saying, Pastor Dan, <laughs> that's just not my personality. I'm, I'm a more guarded, soft-spoken person than to ever to to shout that's just not what I do I don't want to embarrass myself I don't really want and I'm I, I really don't want to draw attention to myself and I also know I've heard it recently some people say I just feel that my religion should be a quiet private thing it's just it's just a private thing can I tell you what 67 years has taught me people who say that they ain't got any If you have to keep it quiet, if Jesus has washed you from your, from your sin, redeemed you, shed his blood to make heaven your eternal home and you've got to keep that quiet, we've got a problem. You either don't get it, you don't understand what's happened for you. The reality is this. If you are a recipient of the goodness of God, and if your heart becomes overwhelmed with gratitude for what all God has done for you and how He has blessed you, you will shout with a loud voice. Well, Pastor Dan, I just didn't I didn't grow up that way. I don't care. When you really recognize the cost and the price Jesus paid for you, you will shout with a loud voice of gratitude. Just just like the Samaritan leper shouted out in his leprosy, unclean, unclean, everywhere he went. It was a loud voice, unclean. He used that same volume, that same intensity when he responded to the healing that Jesus brought to him. Why? Why did he do that? Let me tell you why. Because he had eyes to see and recognize the giver in the gift. He didn't just see the gift of healing. That's why he could shout with a loud voice. He saw the giver in the gift, the man Christ Jesus. And if you can't shout this morning, it's most likely because you have not recognized yet the giver in the gift. So let me ask you, how do you think you got that job you have? Who gave it to you? Well, Pastor, I work hard every day, and I've been really good. I've faithful. And I get all the awards. Who wakes you up every day? Who puts breath in your lungs every day? Who makes that heart in your chest to beat every day? Who gives you health and strength? Who puts you in your right mind? You could have woken up this morning and not even been sure where you are, who you are. Thank God not just for the gift that he gives, but for the giver of the gift. I need to hear a hallelujah in this house. The Samaritan man saw and recognized the giver of the gift that he had received, and that's exactly why he cried out, as Scripture says, with a loud voice glorifying God, fell on his face at the feet of Jesus, giving thanks. And when God has been good to you, the place you ought to show up is at his feet. When's the last time you gave thought to being a person who worships at the feet of Jesus? When's the last time you saw yourself sitting at the feet of Jesus, just adoring him, just worshiping him, just glorifying him for who he is? Because at his feet suggests that he is in authority over you and you are in subjection to him. And at his feet suggests that you understand that everything that has come to you has only come By his good benefaction. And it causes you to be full of gratitude because of you. It's not because you've been so holy or I've been so holy. It's not because we've kept his command so wonderfully well. It's just simply because God has been good to us, church. (laughs) And you may be too timid or too shy or too reserved or too whatever to shout to the Lord this morning. But let me just put it to you this way. If it ever dawns upon you just how good, just how good God has been to you, there will not be enough ushers in this house to keep you from shouting. If it ever dawns upon you just how many doors God has opened for you, There won't be enough ushers in this house to keep you from giving thanks and praise to the name of Jesus. They won't be able to stop you. If you ever take just a moment to think about how how many times God has made a way for you where there didn't seem to be a way. You didn't have a hope. You didn't have a prayer. How many tears he has dried for you. How many prayers God has answered for you. How many good things God has sent your way over and over again. How he has opened doors and showered down blessings. There would not be enough time in this service to say thank you. So this morning I'm pulling out a song you haven't heard in a decade. Shout to the Lord all the earth. Let us sing power and majesty. Praise to the King because mountains bow down and the seas will roar just at the sound of His name. That's why today I sing for joy at the work of your hand. Forever I'll love you. Forever I'll stand because nothing compares to the promise I have in you. Put your hands together and bless His name.